What's up, world? Welcome to another episode of the TM Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck. Thanks for listening in. Feel free to hit me up at TMP on Twitter and on Instagram. Got a brand new Insta for you guys. Today, I'm going to be talking about Kendrick Lamar. Uh, I'll be talking about something that he's done in his catalog, but he's got a new album coming out tomorrow, so I'm super excited about that. One of my favorite MCs, uh, you know, I don't think it's debatable. He's like one of the, one of the greatest right now uh, that's active. So we'll be talking a little bit about that, and I'll talk about this piece of marketing slash storytelling that he was able to pull off way, way back in 2014, 2015. Um, that just kind of shows how his his marketing is different from your normal, average, everyday rapper. So it's just something that's really interesting to me. Hope you, hopefully you guys find it interesting as well. And if so, hit me up on the socials. Leave a comment. Leave a like if you like what I'm talking about. Show it to a friend. Have them share it. You know, the more views, I, the more listens I get, <laughs> uh, the more I'm inspired to keep doing this. So, yeah, just hit me up and we'll get right to that here in a little bit. So I first started listening to Kendrick Lamar. Um, I actually heard him on a feature on a song called Power Circle off of Self Made Volume 2 from MMG, a song with Rick Ross, uh, Meek Mill, uh, one of my favorite underrated rappers gunplay and a verse by Kendrick Lamar and that's the first time I heard him where I thought like oh this kid is something special uh and I think around that time is the same time that Good Kid Mad City was either out or it was about to come out so I went ahead and got it I checked it out and I just thought this dude was incredible not just in the way that he raps but in the way that his music tells stories and paints pictures and puts you in situations where it's almost a virtual reality experience and he's got one of my favorite uh one of my favorite pieces of storytelling through marketing and it was in support of his album to pimp a butterfly now for me i i love that album but in terms of what people were thinking when it first came out uh, or when the singles first started dropping, like you wouldn't, it wouldn't be surprising for somebody to tell me I didn't know what this album was going to be. And I talked to a lot of people that, you know, it's not their favorite album. And <laughs> to me, I think, you know, that you kind of have to go below the surface. I'm not saying this like, oh, you got to be smart to be a Kendrick fan. No, I don't think that's the case. But I think what that album was or what it signified was a celebration of black music and the culture. If you listen to Heart Part 5, he talks about the culture. <laughs> he says, I am all of us. Right. And that's he's talking about culture. He's talking about, you know, celebration of blackness. And I think coming from that mindset, that's where you kind of have to look at, or that's where I appreciated the most by looking at this album and especially what he did with the rollout. So I'd heard Good Kid Mad City. I was hyped for a new Kendrick album, but I didn't know what to expect. Now, 
the hype was in the on the first album was this is the new Dr. Dre protege. He's got a spitter over Dr. Dre, you know, influence beats. It's that West Coast music. And the first single for To Pimp a Butterfly was a song called I. Now, the video dropped way before that, <laughs> way before the album did. The video dropped in September of 2014. The album didn't come out till March. Um, when the video dropped, you know, it's very, it starts off where it kind of like seems reminiscent of like I had a good day or it was a good day by Ice Cube or uh, like a scene from Boys in the Hood or something like that or Men's to Society or something like that where, you know, he's going to be walking through the neighborhood the whole video or something. And he starts rapping and it's over like, <laughs> I, I hesitate to even call it a beat. It just sounds straight up like the instrumental for that lady, for the Isley Brothers, which complete departure from his first album, which was pretty bass heavy, pretty, uh, I mean, it was like progressive, but also like very West Coast. And this song had a like an instantly cheery beat um, based off that lady from the Isleys. And it just sounded like he just started rapping over the instrumental. And it starts off and he's talking about, you know, what it's like to grow up and, you know, like his feelings and stuff like growing up in Compton doesn't necessarily say in Compton, which I think also plays into the beauty of the song. But he's talking about trials and tribulations and and everything that goes along with it. And then it gets to the hook, which I think, you know, is revolutionary at this time because he said three in three words in that hook. Right. It sets the whole. The whole picture for this, this crazy turn that's about to happen with this album. The hook is I love myself. And even the way he says it is sincere. It doesn't sound conceited. It just sounds like a proclamation, right? It doesn't matter how you feel about me. It doesn't matter if you try to hold me down because I love myself. I see my own value. And as the song progresses and goes through it, he continues like exploring that feeling a little bit. And what's crazy about this is you know, he gets into, he's like a one-man chorus sometimes. And he hits a part where, uh, and when I say chorus, I mean like a group of singers. I don't mean like the hook of a song. But he gets to this part, he's doing like, it's almost a chant. And he's changing his voice up the same way like Kendrick Lamar like, likes to do. And towards the end of the song, he says... Like he, well, he starts talking about like, you know, I went to war last night and he's talking about, you know, my interpretation of the song is that he's talking about an uh, internal struggle with himself where he's saying, I love myself. He's saying out loud, he's proclaiming, he's proclaiming it. But the question is, does he really mean it? Because he's, he's screaming it out to everybody and it's like putting on a facade and when you watch the video he starts saying, I love myself. He's walking down the street and more and more people follow him and they gather around him. And 
they're singing, they're dancing, they're having a good time. And he's saying, I love myself. <laughs> and like outwardly, he's projecting that. And like, like there's even a scene, he walks past a window and the guy's about to shoot himself. But then he sees them having a good time and he doesn't do it. Um, and he might be in the crowd. I don't know. There's a lot of people in the crowd. But the video midway through pretty much. Uh, it's like a scene of people rejoicing. He's singing, I love myself. And then he gets in the car with Ron Isley. <laughs> and this is where it kind of takes a turn because he's in the car, in the back seat, and he leans out and he's rapping the last verse, but it's frantic and he's screaming and he's like halfway out the window and he just like holds his head out and he's just hanging out the window for that part of the song. And when you take that, you take the visuals and you take what he's saying, you know, the story that he's telling is I love myself, but really he's saying that for your benefit, not for his. And why that's such a turn doesn't really get revealed until the album comes out. So now months go by. And the album comes out, the album to Pimp a Butterfly that I was promoting, that I was featured on. And it starts off, you know, it starts off with a bang. <laughs> uh, Wesley Steary, um, King Kunta, all these songs are just bangers. And then the story that started in I, the first single for the album, on track six, there's a song called You. And one of the connective tissues there is that I, the name of the song, is in lowercase. And you is in lowercase. So you know that he's talking about, you know, this is a companion song to the lead single. And remember, he's saying, I love myself and bigging himself up the whole time. So then... You comes on and it's a complete downshift for the album. Um, he pumps the brakes like up to this point, the music had been like pretty like bounce heavy. It was pretty like pretty much like a something you could bounce to. And when he gets to these walls, it kind of slows it down, makes a little song for the ladies a little bit. <laughs> um, but then you starts off and it's it's like a pretty smooth song when it first starts off. But when you, if you listen to what he's saying, you know, it opens with the screen and he says, loving you is complicated. And he just says that over and over. That's like the theme of the song. Loving you is complicated. Loving you is complicated. Loving you is complicated. But really what he's saying is loving myself is complicated. And you'll pick that up because, like like I said, the previous song sounded like it was for the ladies. And this is like a mini turn in here where you might be thinking he's talking about a significant other. Then you pick up like, oh, he's talking about himself. Um, and he starts off, he says, I place blame on you still, place shame on you still. And then you start to realize, like, he's not talking about somebody else. He's talking about himself. And the song You as a companion to I is completely 
like almost the opposite. Like he's holding himself accountable for every single thing terrible that he's done. And he says, you know, I could love myself, <laughs> but I know what I've done. I know who I am. I know the things that, that, you know, like my true feelings, no matter what I say, like I'll say, I love myself to other people, but really what I'm feeling is this guilt, this depression, uh, the sense of not being enough, the sense of being a failure, uh, no matter how much people, you know, congratulate him, he still feels like it's not enough because, yeah, the music is there, the success is there. However, on the back end of that, you know, he's still a real person and real person with relationships. And he kind of breaks down those relationships and talks about how since he became famous, he start like he started putting the people that he grew up with, the people he came up with to the side for his fame. And, you know, the beat switches, it's got a pretty crazy beat switch. And then he like really goes in on himself. <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's pretty wild because he's talking about, I mean, he gets all the way to the point of, I want y'all to listen to the song, but he gets all the way to the point of, you know, him having to put him finding out one of his homies got shot and he puts it on the back burner because he's on tour. So instead, and this is like one of his close, he kind of says this is brother in the song, but uh, I don't think it's a real brother. Um, and he says like he should have been there, but he was on tour and he thought like it was going to be fine. He thought he was going to pull through. Um, and by this time, like when he gets to the song, like he's saying like he should have killed himself a long time ago. I remember how he, how he got here, right? He says, I love myself. And then he comes back and turns and says, loving you is complicated. And then he breaks down why, even if he loved himself, is he deserving of his own love? And I think that's the story of you as a companion to I, but there's still one more twist in this story. So now you have I and you have you, you have two halves of the story, but, and I'm not good at math. There's a third half. You had the single version of I that came out and it went through the whole song. He's telling the story about, you know, how he feels and he kind of cracks the veneer a little bit, but doesn't really go into it until you get to the album and you hear you. And then you kind of hear what's underneath the I love myself. Why he has to tell himself I love myself. And why he's saying it so loud. And you question who he's saying it for. And then you've got I. You go to you. But remember I is a single on the album. Which means that there's another version of it. It's not the single version. So the album version is very different from the single version. The single brings you into the album, so you listen to it. Then he kind of turns the single on its ear, and then when you get the album version of the song I, it starts off pretty much the same, except for now it sounds like it's a live version, like he's rapping in front of people at a concert, kind of matching 
the visuals of the video. So you might in your head, you might be thinking, oh, this is connected because he's rapping this song to the people that are in the crowd in the video, but he's doing it this way because it's live. And that might be what's on your mind when you first start listening to it. And then about midway after the second verse, there's a sound of a fight breaking out and you hear gunshots in the song and that causes him to stop the record. And now this is where the beautiful part of this is because it's a twist, right? Like I told you <laughs> earlier, you know, to pimp a butterfly is a celebration of black music and black culture. And this is the payoff for that because Kendrick Lamar is doing the live show and he stops the live show to address the violence in the crowd. And he stops, he says, you know, why are we doing this to each other? You know, how many people we got to lose? And then at that point, you realize he started off talking about I, you felt like he was talking about himself. And he, you hear you and you realize he's being introspective and talking about himself and facing his demons. And then when he starts talking to the crowd and he does a spoken word verse at the end of it, you realize that he's talking not to himself, not about himself. He's talking about the culture and how people that are hurt, people that have a ton going on, you know, might outwardly project like, hey, we're having a good time or we like this life that we're in. You know, I love being this way. I love having all this stuff happening. But meanwhile, like you say that to cover up you know, how you really feel. It's putting on a, a, a smile while you're at work when really you hurting outside. Like Let's just say you broke up with somebody and everybody asks you, oh, how you doing? And you say, fine, I'm fine. Right? That's, that's the I part. And then you go home and look yourself in the mirror and that's the you part. That's what he gets to right here is that he says, you know, the pain is, it runs deep for all of us, like as a culture, it's a culture that celebrates pain and we don't have to do that. We don't have to be that way. We can make a change. And like even derogatory terms that people use to refer to us, meaning black people, black people in the culture could be flipped on its head because that word doesn't mean to us what it means to them. Right. <laughs> and that's where it's the breakdown. And he says, like, you know, this is what kind of saying, like, this is what this country or this is what our surroundings or what our environment has done to us. It's made us feel this way to where we're conflicted. Right. We, we can't really have emotions. We can't really loudly proclaim. I love myself because we're facing so much pain on the inside. And at the end of it, you know, he, the last verse of it is just a poem. There's no music. And he breaks down like the history of, you know, black people in Africa and like what happened when they were, they were brought to America and how like, you know, different psychological <laughs> ways were used to, to manipulate people so that they didn't feel like they could improve or they could get better. And I, at the end of it, you know, 
he like basically breaks down and says, you know, I'm one of the realest ones. But he's talking about everybody because he said, like, inside, you know, you're really royalty. And to me, I think, like, to have that payoff at the end of the album, which a lot of people might skip a single that they heard eight months ago. <laughs> uh, they might be like, eh, I ain't going to listen to that. I already heard it. I've been bumping it for a long time before the album even came out. But it pays off to listen to it because you realize, like, there was a plot twist in there. <laughs> and to me, I think, like, that's the difference between an artist like Kendrick Lamar and, like, somebody that just makes music and makes a bunch of good songs and puts them on an album or whatever, but the album doesn't tell a story. I really, really appreciate concept albums, albums that tell a story. When you have different connective tissues within songs that aren't readily apparent, I really appreciate that because that shows, like, you know, there are some manipulation. There was some planning in that. There's, <laughs> like, a mastermind move. And Kendrick's done this a bunch of times. I, I would argue that all his albums are concept albums up to this point. We'll see when Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers comes out, but I'm sure it's going to follow that same vein. He doesn't just make <laughs> he doesn't just make a collection of songs and puts them out. So it'll be interesting to to break this new album down. But if you like that, if you like that breakdown, let me know. Let me know if you agree, if you disagree. You know, the outward, the inward, and then for the people, you know, that's the story of that. And then to do it on an album, which I think to pimp a butterfly took every influence of hip hop, jazz, soul, blues, and put it all together and said, this is black music. This is like our contribution. And he did it as a hip hop artist. To me, I think everything about that album is is very powerful. Um, whether or not you like the music or whether or not you like the lyrics, um, just what it is in, in and of itself. Uh, I think it's very it's like a it's like a touchstone to black culture. If <laughs> if you had somebody that never listened to any like Gil Scott Heron or Isley Brothers or George Clinton or any of that stuff, like the foundational black music from the 60s and 70s um, all the way up through the 80s and 90s with the like original West Coast rap. Um I would say, you know, check this album out because it's kind of like a journey through that. Um, but anyways, <laughs> you know, that that three song, two and a half, whatever you want to call it, a song turn from the single to the album release, I thought was just so genius. And I just wanted to put that together and put it out there. So maybe like the next time you listen to, to Pimp a Butterfly, uh, you know, you can listen to it and appreciate at least what like my perspective on it. And maybe if that wasn't what you were thinking, then you can get, like gain some perspective on it. I'd love to know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter at OddcastTMP or hit me up on my new Insta at OddcastTMP as well. Uh, leave a like, leave a follow, <laughs> share it around, tell your friends. Um, but yeah, I, no, I appreciate you guys listening to me uh, ramble on about three songs. <laughs> so... Um, We'll all be listening to Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers tomorrow. I'm going to take it to the gym, probably be listening to it at work. So 
you know, we can all share that experience together. But until then, we out.